you know, and I wanted to do a variation on like a Walt Disney, but if he was, because Walt Disney did battle depression and, and mental health, but I wanted, what if it spiraled out of control and he got vindictive and he dabbled with black magic. Hi, and welcome to Drinking with Creatives. It's like hot ones, but for alcoholics. My name is Jeremy Berger, and each week I chat with a professional creative, have a few drinks, and discuss the issues that they're facing. Howie is a freelance illustrator, comic book creator, and caricaturist. He has fought the good fight for as long as I have known him, continuing to push paper into the hands of comic fans for a really, really long time. We chat about rejection, community, and pursuing what you love. Take a listen. Howie, my first question to you. What are you drinking? Should I go make a cocktail for this? I think you should. Okay. We'll make a, uh, the standard. We're going to make the standard uh, rum and Diet Coke. That's my go-to. As you're making that cocktail, and since we are drinking, um, why don't you tell uh, anybody listening about what you're up to and where they can find you because we want to make sure we have that conversation before we have enough of these cocktails that we forget. That's true. It's very important to plug plug the wares. Uh, you can find me at hcnoel.com. Uh, that's my website. That's got everything I do from uh, the comics I do, like Paranormal and Float, to uh, my caricatures and illustrations. So I offer custom caricatures even through this uh, bizarre time we have, I kept doing it and uh, I offer, so custom art, you, you know, you order one, you send me the photos and I draw whatever you want. You've gotten, you've gotten several. You've I been have very so. kind to support me and uh, gotten several. And, and then also on Instagram, I'm Howie Knoll, also Terranormal Comic on there. Uh, so we have, I have a couple Instagrams that I have to manage and on Twitter, H-C-N-O-E-L. You can see me tweet once in a blue moon, and uh, yeah, I just I just tweet to show off art and stuff. Rarely, rarely dive into that because the line scares me. And I have a Facebook too under Howie Knoll. Do you have your drink in hand? Yes, yeah, sir. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers. to I'll you. Cheers. Mm. Mm. Oh, it's uh, it's got to be five o'clock somewhere. So ah, yes, indeed. If we're taking a look at European time, it's six o'clock. So yeah, there you oh, go. Oh, we're late. Yeah, we're late. yeah, we're fashionably late, fashionably late. Um, I'm drinking a Sierra Nevada right now, and I'm probably definitely going to have another one before we're through. But Howie, there's there's two big kind of like subjects that I just like to uh, to kind of get your uh, get you to talk about because I feel like you're uh, a uh, an expert. I believe the term is thought leader in both of them. Oh, um, wow. yeah, just because you've been on the ground fighting for so long. In fact, why don't we tell everybody like how long? Uh, have you been making comics? Oh wow! I started, I started making comics and graphic novels right out of uh, college. We went to college together. We went to Pratt Institute, and right out of that, I started working on my first graphic novel, which w is called Mister Scoodles. Mm -hmm. And I uh, started. We started making the handmade copies of that book. We we'd go to uh, like a Kinko's print them out and you actually you and uh, your wife Renee helped me staple them together do you remember that I do I do very well yeah and we put them together and then in 2003 they were in Midtown Comics and I still to this day get people saying that they remember seeing it in Midtown and that's pretty special that something like that 
you know, to this day will still get brought up. And then uh, that was my first foray. And the world's changed so much. You can't do that now. You can't just go to Midtown and go, hey, can you carry my book? Because everything's sadly like got really corporate, you know, and uh, in comics. But I've continued to do uh, independent and self-published comics ever since because that's what I like. I like the control. I like telling the story I like. And we've continued ever since then. So we're, we're 20 years in. It's crazy. It's crazy to say that. <laughs> So 20 years after you come out with a book called Mr. Scoodles, you to this day still get people saying that they remember it? Yeah. And especially they remember it being in Wizard Magazine, which no longer exists because magazines hardly exist now. But they remember it. It was a it was picked multiple times as a indie comic you should know about by Wizard Magazine. And they did such really sweet uh, reviews of it. You know, they really got it. And yeah, to this day, people go, oh, yeah, I remember that wizard. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, so it's cool to have done that. Just, I mean, just while we're, you know, hanging on to uh, to, to at least some shred of sobriety and professionalism, uh, what's yeah. Mr. Scoodles about? Mr. Scoodles is about a 1930s animated cartoon character who finds himself trapped in hell and he's got to get out. And he basically, I love uh vintage animation especially of that time period and uh, I think that game Cuphead really brought that back too on a global, on a bigger scale because you know games are much less niche than um, niche product than um, comics so that helped a lot you know now people are like oh yeah and that's I've always loved that I love Oswald the Rabbit uh, who was Disney's first character before Mickey Mouse and Oswald Oswald was lost to Universal and that's why he created Mickey. So I thought, what if he gave up after like losing Oswald? You know, and I wanted to do a variation on like a Walt Disney, but if he was, because Walt Disney did battle depression and, and mental health, but I wanted, what if it spiraled out of control and he got vindictive and he dabbled with black magic and curses, <laughs> you know? And then, uh, and what if Mr. Scoodles, you know, wasn't, he, Mr. Scoodles looks like one of those characters of the time period to where you could believe he existed then. And that's what I lot, what I wanted to play with. You're still doing books, right? Mm-hmm. Big future in print? Uh, yeah, I think, well, the way I do them is through campaigns, fundraising campaigns. So Kickstarter, I've run several successful Kickstarters. Fortunately, um, my, my reader base, my fan base is very strong and passionate about what I do. And, I have that following and I try to keep it growing and I try to keep everybody involved. Everybody really fights with me. When I have a fight out there as I've, I've encountered several trademark and copyright battles, they fight with me and support me. And I can't do, I literally can't do this without them, without knowing that people care about my stuff and follow it. And now with, with the world, with, social media and stuff like that you can actually reach out to these people you know and uh you can interact with your fan base you know so it's really really great that i can do that and that's why we do that's how we do books um but but i also uh terranormal my uh my biggest series began with a uh, webcomic so i do both but i think the books i think everybody i like books i like having a physical thing i like reading I do love web comics and I like looking at art online, you know, but I also like 
I could, my, my mom loved books, still does. I, I just, we're a book, we're a book family. You got it. You got it on your shelf. You, you open it up. I love that book smell. I like the, the tactile feeling you get flipping through the pages, seeing, you know, somebody, oh, they love this book so much. Look at it beaten up. You know, somebody loved it. And I want people to be able to take the books with them. This new, the, our newest, our newest book is Terranormal, the complete webcomic series. And you can pre-order that right now on Indiegogo. The books are in stock, so you can pre-order it. Uh, just search Terranormal on Indiegogo right now. And uh, there, we made them a cool digest size, almost a retro kind of Archie feeling, because I wanted people to be able to take this on to the beach take it on vacation with them and it doesn't take up a lot of space, but it's like yeah, over a hundred page book, you know, it's got a lot of stories in it, but you can take it with you. And I thought it was just this cute thing that people could stick in their bag or their purse and take with them. I really like it. I really love books and I don't think I'll go away from uh, physically printing. And even though, you know, a lot of people are pushing that way. I, I, I try to do both because I still believe there are book lovers out there. I can't remember the last time I actually held a graphic novel. Actually, I can. Uh, I can remember distinctly the last gra new graphic novel I held. It was uh, Float, also. Oh, uh, also, you. Also from your comic book offering. So literally, you're the only um, physical graphic novels I've had in my hands. Uh, that means so much to me. Thank you, my friend. Of course, of course. No, great work, great work. Uh, but let's talk about Terranormal for a second. Give, give, give us a lowdown on that for anybody that doesn't know, even though obviously I do. Yeah, Terra Normal is a supernatural superhero, so she can see and speak to ghosts, and she can also punch the crap out of them. So if there's a bad spirit or ghoul uh, haunting haunting someone, she comes in and saves them from it and fights them. So, you know, and and, and in the webcomic, which this is how Terra began in uh, 2009, April 2009, when we first started publishing it, the webcomic series is very funny wild so anything that i think of i just put it right in the book so you go from uh, you go from baby a baby version of cthulhu so you have baby cthulhu to uh zombie dogs and then you also have a uh huge giant godzilla sized teddy roosevelt who emerges from the baltimore harbor to wreck terror and eat people so that's that shows the scope of the webcomic series to get people ready for it. And that's the, that's our newest book. And then I also have in a different timeline is the Terra Normal graphic novel series, which is available on Amazon. And that's a more serious tale. So that's more like, I would say like a, a movie or a Netflix miniseries, you know, where it's got some serious side and humor, but, but the web comic is more funny and, you know, brightly colored and stuff. And then the graphic novel series has darker tones and a lot of moodiness to it. So they're different timelines, still Terra normal, but like a different timeline. So it's a different version of Terra. And in the webcomic, they, you can see how they connect finally. One of the things that was fascinating to me is that you actually have Terra normal cosplayers. Yeah. Yeah. I've been really fortunate since the beginning to have uh, these talented cosplayers who want to dress up as, as Terra as the character, they, they, they're inspired by her and that, that, and that inspires me because that lets you know, oh, people like to have fun with this character and dress up as her. And I mean, that to create something that inspires people to do that and be independent like myself is, is mind blowing. 
Yeah, like actually imagine like a comic book convention, you know, three cosplayers one walk in, you got uh, one Wonder Woman, one Spider-Man and one Terra Normal. I mean, is this not a measure of some type of success? I, I would hope so. I think so. I think that's a big deal. And uh, I even have, uh, we have a, a fan um, who's got a Terra Normal tattoo. I mean, that's mind blowing. So the Terra Normal logo and her symbol, her Franken Kitty from her shirt, which is her Superman symbol. I mean, that, that's the ultimate show that somebody that you're, you've connected, you've connected with uh, a reader and a supporter. I mean, it's amazing. And I think my readers become my friends and that's what I'd like, you know, I really value it. And I, I don't give up because of them. The, they're supporting me. I mean, when you're having creative being, a you know, you know, this being in a creative field, it's very, it's very personal. And I, I noticed in comics, I think some people, they just look them as pitches and, oh, if the pitch didn't get picked up, they just don't ever do that book. And I was never like that. So when I pitched my thing, I'm like, dude, I'm going to make this. <laughs> and I don't know the detriment to me. It might be a detriment 10 years later, still working on it, you know, and putting stuff out, but it's been successful and it proved people did like it. So they were wrong even throughout, because you're going to get rejections, right? You're just going to get people that you don't know them. So you're not their friends. So you're not going to get accepted. That's just the truth of the matter. That's what I've learned. But I, I, I don't make things to be like thrown away. Uh, and I think that's, what's different about me. So when I pitched something, when I would pitch Terra Normal, I believed in it so much. I was, they were, and they were like, this isn't right for us. You know, and usually people just don't follow through on that pitch. And I'm not like that. I'm like, well, I think it's great. So I'm going to make it. And, you know, that's what I dedicate myself to doing. So we saw, I saw my first cosplayer, I believe 2013, it was at New York Comic Con. And she sent me a picture, like, I think through Twitter. And I still have that picture because she was dressed like Tara in the graphic novel series. And I was blown away. She had the jacket, the shirt. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. You know, it's amazing that you're walking around. It's my character. Because when you're down in the dumps, and you're kind of depressed about how stuff going because it's very tough being a creator, especially doing independent comics, uh, because it's so much work, right? And so much work for a flip of a page. Uh, so having people cosplay and then sharing their art with you is um, is such a boost to your creativity and to your spirit to not quit. Okay, so so let's uh, let's talk let's talk about rejection because I, I feel like. I know a lot about it. Okay. <laughs> now, well, no, because, you know, especially in the, the, the uh, I feel like the creative services, like no matter what you do, the rest of the professional working world uh, has to cope with a certain amount of rejection. They have their own pitches from anything from the sciences to engineering. Absolutely. But it seems that the yeah. rate of rejection is so much higher for anything that's even remotely creatively based. And, that, and we can even be talking about like small rejections, like, Oh, like, you know, I'm an editor. So like, you know, I can get some like, Oh, I don't like that cut to something like, I don't like everything that you just did. So it just kind of runs this entire gamut. How have you found that age has helped you handle rejection? I, worse? I've learned. Yeah, I've, I've learned that over time, because you get rejected a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're pitching to lit agents, eh, submissions editors, I, submissions editors, they just tend to not get me. They don't get my style. Even if I have a fan base, even if I have all these things, 
they don't, that one person isn't letting me through. And it has, when I, I, I would just get so stuck on it and be angry about it because it, I can get other people, other people get what I'm doing. How come the, the, one of those just doesn't happen to have that job ever? Just the way it is. And then I've learned in time, like I said earlier, you don't know them. It's really about who you know. And I just haven't been able to make that connection to where they know me, right? Even though you have a following. And that's just, you just have to accept that and not take it, even though it is personal. And they just don't take this first. They did that with my anxiety memoir. Even though I, I, I learned since then that the Kickstarter is, uh, I'll let agent told me that's better than what I would be offered. Wow, just really? Nobody knows this. Yes. Nobody knows this. Nobody's aware of it that if you do it independently, the, the, the lit agent said, why are you, why are you pursuing it? You already did it. And I'm like, Oh my God, I don't know, man. I think we just went into counseling. That's really how I felt. <laughs> the lit agent just I became your therapist. Yeah. 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 Because he said, you already did it. Why do you want it to be published? I go, because that's what everybody told me to do. Really? Since I was, I thought getting in an airport bookstore meant I made it. And he's like, you did make it. It's already made. Why do you want to do this? And then they told me the super secret. What you did with your Kickstarter is more than you would be offered as an advance. Huh. That's uh, wonderful and yeah. terrifying in equal measure. Right. And nobody realizes this or thinks about it. So if you're, start, if you're still thinking you're not as good because you independently do it, it's a lie. And it's like getting to... Oz and they see the wizard and what he's really like behind the curtain. And when you do that, you know, it's sad, but if you can continue, like I'm not going to give up now. I was just told I did. I am doing something worthwhile. It's all about believing in yourself. And with the rejection, like they say to have a tough skin uh, and man, I do not with those guys because it is personal. They say, this isn't personal. Uh, I got the kindest rejections ever with float. See, I did float. I sent it off because there is a page about rejection in that book. And he gets, he, he's supposed to be the character standing in for me in the book. Uh, you know what, before you get into that, Hallie, before you get into yeah. that, just give me a, just give everyone a quick rundown of what float is. I know what it is, oh, but sure, sure. yeah. Yeah. Float is a, a graphic memoir about dealing with generalized anxiety disorder. And I didn't see, when, when I see books or comics, you know, or, or things on, shared on Facebook about anxiety or depression, it was always like, they drew it like a, a scribble or a, a cloud or something. And I, my life has been tortured by this thing. I've had it since I was born and I never knew what it was. And it wasn't until I was diagnosed after basically an anxiety attack breakdown that the doctor, I finally found a good doctor who said, it's anxiety. You have, you know, and I talked to, I got to see a, a, a psychiatrist and he was like, everything you described, there's nothing wrong. It, there's the thing that's wrong with you is generalized anxiety disorder. And I was like, Oh my God, there's a reason. I was so grateful because there's a reason why I be react the way I do. Because, I just thought it was normal. I just thought it was normal that I would take things that deeply and sometimes I'd flip out or I, I would hyperventilate in school and nobody, 
but he hyperventilated like it was a weakness and it's not. Uh, so this book detail with those drawings, a scribble, I can't relate to a scribble ruining my life. So in, in, in when float, I draw my anxiety as the inner monologue. So how Iron Man has, uh, what's his name? Jarvis. Mm-hmm. Well, my me, I have anxiety. See, and that's a bad inner voice to have. So you think it's your friend, and then it turns out it's not your friend. So it's been ruining relationships. It's been ruining jobs because it wants, anxiety wants you all to itself. It wants you to be alone, and it wants you to die. And that's what we do with the book, and we talk about it. And anxiety gets so strong at one point, it forms, it turns into a physical form, and it's a rock star. My anxiety is a rock star, charismatic and sexy. And I wanted to show to people, see, that's why I do what I do, because I would follow that. It's this guy having a party. And it just turns out the party's bad. It's just wrecked so many things. And I wanted to explain to friends and family and people who don't know me and people who have anxiety. So float is for if you've ever heard about anxiety. Float is for you if you have it. Float is for you if you've lost a friend who had it. You know, if you wondered why your friend or your girlfriend or your spouse flipped out before, probably anxiety. And so my my goal was to do and make it like a sexy thing make it an adventure story a mystery give it give it a showcase because all those books are usually gray and I don't want to look through that I wanted color I wanted you know and I I made the book purposely 100 pages so it feels like a breeze float starts out and it ends in a cycle you could go ahead and reread it and reread it because anxiety is a cycle and you're going to make those same mistakes over again after you beat it because it comes, it'll come right back and you will lose. You'll lose a fight, but you'll fight back. You'll keep fighting. And that's my main thing is don't give up. Don't let it win. Uh, fight, fight anxiety. And it's okay to talk about. It's okay to say. And I want, that's another thing I wanted the book to do. I wanted to highlight it. Nobody talks about generalized anxiety disorder. You know, I don't see it talked about, but I, I see it. I see it as, especially this year, uh, people know what anxiety is now. Everybody gets a feeling. Hopefully theirs will go away. You know, sometimes anxiety is like a symptom of another problem. But if you have it from birth, I think since everybody's experienced anxiety, that it's, an, it's a great gateway to start talking about other things. And if you open the conversation with anxiety, you can then open it to, well, let me now talk to you about what bipolar disorder is. Right. Let me now talk to you what schizophrenia is. Okay. Right. And yeah, I, I had a, I had a suggestion from somebody online. I was like, you should do a whole series. Like you should do bipolar next. I'm like, I don't have bipolar disorder. That wouldn't, <laughs> that's just what people try to do with books. And it makes me so sad with comics, you know, it's like, yeah. no, this isn't, this isn't like a cash in, you know, it's my yeah. life story. <laughs> and they don't get that because comics have been used as cash in for so long. Mm-hmm. comics have been known as throwaway material and i'm like oh no no no, that's not what i do you're new because he's new to me i'm like you're new to me um i try to make these things so you keep them like forever and i, I put a lot of you know thought in them. they should be forever that's one of my goal is so, no i'm not going to be doing 
next book is schizophrenia. I can't, I don't, I don't know. That should be for somebody to do. <laughs> Multiple personality disorder. I mean, come on, you're, you got, you're, you know, you're an expert on one thing. You can be an expert on all things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think they think that's because so many books do that. So many, you know, that's what a corporate way to do it. This is a series, you know, like those, you know, that's that, like a kid's books do that too. Like who's Abraham Lincoln? Who is, you know, but yeah. I can't, th that's not what float is. Float's my life story. It's not like I'm then going to, Hey, next book, you know, schizophrenia. That's for other, that's for people to do that's their life. This was my life, you know? I even had a guy try to write it. He tried to force his way into the book, try to write an intro. And I was like, what? Why would you write an intro to my... You weren't even what? around when I was born. Why would you write an intro? Because <laughs> yeah. everything's about him. Uh... I was like, no. I go, plus with the, when you see how the book is, you can't have an intro there. It goes from the cover right into the rest of the story you know it's not it's not like that it's not a book for an intro but for this i got to do it and i got to tell it how i want to and that's the that's the great thing about independent publishing we're talking about the challenges and rewards of being an independent which you've been for over yeah. 20 years now talk to me about that yeah well and we and to get back to we were discussing the rejections right and yeah. well, i got off uh, describing about float uh float has a page in the book that is a rejection letter mm -hmm. and it's pretty much what they say to you that they don't know you they don't care about you and even if you're the last person on the earth it's not going to go to you you're not talented and we don't like you and i purposely sent it out <laughs> sent it out to publishers knowing they weren't going to go for it but one i included the rejection page in it so in case they do read what i sent they would see that and i got the kindest rejections ever back from it um because uh they were like this isn't it isn't personal and i'm like well it is personal hmm. it's a personal thing it's my it's my thoughts and my art and i am it is personal to me and that they look at it as business which i understand but we're like i'm an artist and i think art should be part of your business and sometimes it's not i, I found that people dealing with distribution they started becoming like submission editors themselves and I learned that I was told by uh, somebody that's supposed to be an account person, but really they think they're a submission editor. And it turned out like on their LinkedIn, they were mostly a former lifeguard and that's who's judging my art. I never took any art courses. They never, you know, no writing, nothing. They're a former lifeguard and they're telling me stuff with my art doesn't sell. This is the kind of blanket, blanket thought that goes on sometimes and you miss a lot of things like if you do any research on the novelists that inspire you or anybody, like Tolkien, he was rejected numerous times. It was just because of luck of one person liking it, you know? And that's just, you can't give up no matter what. And plus now the playing ground is leveling so that we can do it on our own now. Fun thing to do is keep all your rejections and go back and read them later. And you'll find maybe they're not as harsh as you thought. Because I used to do comic strips. Originally, I grew up wanting to do comic strips. And those are basically gone now. They're gone because of what happened with newspapers. Um, and I went back and I, I had like, I would keep sending out these comic strips. And I, I thought the rejections were like really hurtful back then. And I looked, and I was like, oh, these are actually nice. <laughs> and actually giving me personal feedback. And it's just about like having perspective. And I try to show them to other people, the rejections.
you know, and say, what can I get out of it? Because I like constructive criticism. Sometimes you don't get that. That's a sad thing nowadays. Um, everybody's, you don't have a lot of reviewers anymore, mm-hmm. like comic reviewers. There used to be way more people mm-hmm. that did it and have sites. And now it's kind of like people just kind of can leave a Yelp review. That's not helpful, mm-hmm. you know, on Goodreads. And that's like, that's not constructive because I don't know how they even found the book, but they really are angry. (laughs) So (laughs) that's like a whole new kind of tough skin you have to grow. And I know a lot of artists are sensitive and it's kind of like you have to be, I'm not great at business Mm -hmm. as much as I'd like to be. So I have other people help me with that, Mm -hmm. but you have to learn it and you have to learn to have a tough skin. And it's, Sometimes that's not the, that's not a known tribute, uh, 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 attribute of a, of an artist. Certainly not with me. So I just try to just keep going and don't let them, don't let them, don't let the bastards get you down. Well said, sir. Wow. Well, we've kind of covered the gamut here, haven't we? We got the beginning of your career stapling comic books in the Xerox store. Was there for that yeah. and proud all the way through digital distribution and don't let the bastards wear you down because you're going to face rejection at every single get go. Yeah. Bringing up Walt Disney again. I saw a critics review of Snow White, which is revered, right? Historically yep. revered movie. One <laughs> review said, honestly, it's badly drawn. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Dude, that is all you need to know. And I just recently watched Snow White again. My Lord, my Lord is that timeless. And I don't know where you would find anything badly drawn in it. And that, if they say that about Snow White, what chance do you have, right? <laughs> Good point. Good point. Howie, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we'll have uh, show notes on the webpage, uh, guiding you to the uh, Howie Universe of Comic Offerings, Float, Terra Normal, and Mr. Scoodles. And uh, Howie, stay good. Looking forward to having you back. Uh, thank you so much, Jeremy. Congratulations on your new show. I'm so excited. I have a new pet podcast. And, uh, and thank you so much for having me on to talk to your uh, listeners. It's, it's always a blast talking to you, buddy. Thanks, Al. For more about Howie, or if you just want to read some great comics, head over to www.hcnoel.com. And for more links of what we discuss here, head over to www.drinkingwithcreatives.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and download on whatever is your most favorite listening platform. Hope you enjoyed the show. See you next time.